The Phoenix Suns win. Final score, 127 to 124 in Chicago against the number two seeded Chicago Bulls. Now, if you're casual and you just happen to catch this podcast or a box score, you're like, damn, seems like it was a hell of a game. Suns win by three. Truth be told, the Chicago Bulls go for a 12-0 run at the very end of the game, the last two minutes. They outscore the Phoenix Suns by a score of 41-25 to in the fourth quarter. Matthew, what the fuck happened at the end of that game, <laughs> what man? That? What was that? I was writing the recap for Brightside, and uh, <laughs> my the headline was Suns... Um, Suns, uh, I forget what about like Suns blow them out down. or something. Blow, yeah, Suns blow out the Bulls. And I just I left it there and I was like, wait, 127, 124. <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. I feel like this has happened before with the Suns, where at the end of games, these teams they kind of they don't give up, but they're caught in the middle of just like the Suns do on the other side, they're caught in the middle of do we sit these guys, do we keep trying? And then the Suns do the same thing, they come out two minutes left, they sell their starters, and I'm like, why are their starters still in? And then they come out, and then the 12 all run just happens. and I don't, it was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life. And this is like the second time it's happened this season to the yeah. Suns, I feel like. Well, they were up by so much throughout the majority of this game. So it never was a game that you felt was in doubt. And you're sitting there and you're watching the last two minutes and you're doing math in your head. And you're like, you know what? They just keep chucking up threes and they're making them. The Suns are very lackadaisical, not engaged in the two-minute offense at the back end of the game. They're going to end up making this one look closer than it really was. And does it really matter? No, right? I mean, for anyone who watched the game, they know that the Suns thoroughly dominated this team. I mean, it was Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. That was pretty much it for the Bulls. But overall, the the, the Suns kicked the shit out of them. But again, you'll look at that point differential tomorrow, and we're going to have to, you know, you, you won't hear any, no national pundit is going to go on there and be like, well, it was a close one. But it just, it was just odd, man. It was just odd. Strange things were happening there in the United Center. Yeah, it was weird. And I also had in my notes, I was like, why are the starters still in? This might be an issue. And then maybe it's an issue they weren't in even longer. It's just it's just one of those things where they start knocking down threes because the Bulls really weren't making anything towards the end. They had a few good runs and they just everything stopped going in. So then they pulled their starters and then their bench guys just started hitting threes and fast breaks, steals. Sun's going to hit anything. It was fun. It was a fun way to end it tonight. Yeah, but, you know, sure. Chris, it does matter because you saw Chris's, Chris Paul's face at the end of this game. He's like... Man, I gotta watch a lot of film on this one tonight. He's not gonna be able to sleep again. Well, but at the same time, like knowing Chris, the sicko that he is, you know, he's probably looking at his team. He's like, "Hey, bubs, now hey, I'm, gonna bu- this, hey, bu- I'm, I'm gonna use this as motivation going into the Philadelphia hey, 76ers game tomorrow." And you know, th- th- these are the little things. And, and Chris Paul talks about it on the Old Man of the Three podcast. You know, you should be celebrating little things along the way. Chris Paul uses these types of inability to close out a game, you know, only winning by three as a motivating factor, as an opportunity to dissect some film and spend some time with his teammates and make them better cerebral basketball players and to stay engaged because defensively this team looked great. But at the end of the, you know, when it's all said and done, they gave up 124 points because they gave up that 12 run at the end of the game. That's what's going to yeah. keep Chris Paul engaged. It is, it is, and they have to. They have to stay engaged, and it was good that Aiden got some rest tonight because tomorrow night's the game I've been looking forward to. Yes, him versus Embiid. Absolute. This will be like a finals preview if the Bucks don't manage to make it there. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait for that one. But you know, we'll talk about this one mm-hmm. first on this edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. So we thank all of you who are joining us along live, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. If you are on the YouTube, please hit the thumbs up button down below. <laughs> Caress it ever so slightly. Give it a little thumbs up, please. Uh, subscribe rate and review hit that little bell notification let you know when we go live which is after every post game or after every regular game we are the post game uh if you're listening to the pod please subscribe rate review give us a five-star review on apple podcast uh matthew what are you drinking tonight um you know i have uh, chick-fil-a tonight so i had one of their dr peppers and their um very ice cold um Styrofoam cups, cup. styrofoam cups it's uh one of my favorite treats so that's what i got tonight well, that's a little treat you know matthew had to write the re- the uh, preview and the recap for Bright Side of the Sun. So he decided to treat himself tonight. So make sure you folks hop on over to brightsideofthesun.com and read the stylistic writings of Matthew Lissy. Uh, I'm going to have something from Fall River Brewing out of Redding, California, because I'm in uh, Folsom, California. It's called Num Num Juice. <laughs> 
num num. I can see you looking at that. You're like, oh, I gotta get that. I gotta show yeah. that to the well, stamps or something. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm looking through. You know, there's a Bevmo right next to the hotel. So if you guys are really sickos like Chris Paul, you can find the Bevmo in Folsom and probably figure out which hotel I'm staying at. Uh, and I was looking through them. I'm like, you know, what do I want to drink tonight? I want to pop open a beer for the podcast. I'm like, we have three of these this week. There's today, tomorrow, and we play the Bucks on Thursday. So I need beers for all three events. I'm like, let me get a four pack of something. And it's like, num num juice. Have some num num juice. So that's what I'm going to be popping open on this edition of the pod- podcast. So Jamsters, pop them if you got them. And uh, let's talk about this crazy victory for the Phoenix Suns in Chicago. Yes, 127 to 124. Your Phoenix Suns improved their overall record on the season to 43 and 10. But seeing as Matthew is the gentleman who was in charge of the Bright Side of the Sun recap tonight. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I've got to ask, what was the overall theme of the article that you wrote tonight? It was basically go up by 20, protect that lead. Uh, find out whether the the Bulls will be tired like I thought they might be going into this game because they played last night against the Sixers. So they're going to have some tired feet. How how often would they make runs towards the end? That was really the thing I was looking forward. And I honestly, I wanted the rest for the Suns. You know, this might be a thing where here on the Jams, <clears throat> on the Suns Jam Session podcast, we don't really talk too much about the Suns wanting to rest. We don't believe in that. But then sometimes, like within the last few weeks, I've been thinking to myself, like maybe they should start. So I've really been focusing on the Suns, trying to get as much rest as they can, whether or not Chris Paul wants it or not. I think the Suns team might need it. So I was looking for the rest, especially going into tomorrow night. So that's where my head was the whole game. It's just like get that 20-point lead, protect yep. it, maybe blossom it to like 30 points and the pool of starters out. Didn't happen. But I mean, it was still it was still a blowout win by three points. <laughs> a blowout win by three points. The biggest three point victory in the history of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I think it's a good point, and I, and I'll say this: like I definitely believe in rest. Like I'm a hundred percent for rest because the season is so long, and taxing minutes during this part of the season is something that uh, could hurt us in the playoffs. So I wouldn't say that here at the Suns Jam Session, we don't believe in rest. I think Chris Paul doesn't believe in rest, and he's kind of told everyone who does believe in rest to get bent. He's like, hey, bubs, get bent. And then, therefore, we just go along with that narrative. It's like, well, you know, we we want him to rest. He's not going to want to rest, so it is what it is. But I think that my number one frustration always during the seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns era was the lack of rest that those guys got. Mike D'Antoni ran like an eight-man rotation during the regular season, and when the playoffs hit, it was seven men. And Steve Nash, by game six of whatever series it was, I don't care if it was the first round or the Western Conference Finals, looked dog-fucking-tired, and it'd be like the second quarter. So I'm with you. I was thinking the same thing tonight as I was watching this game. The Suns are up 20. I'm like, I know that the Phoenix Suns will start Chris Paul in the fourth and Devin Booker will get a few minutes because we saw what happened against uh, the Wizards when we didn't do that. Right. The the Suns scored 10 points and they didn't come close to losing that game. They won 95 to 80, but still they didn't perform well enough to where Monty Williams was not going to at least put the starters in for a bit. I think the fact that DeMar DeRozan led a fourth quarter charge charge for the Chicago Bulls and they stayed engaged equated to the Phoenix Suns having to keep their starters in a little bit longer than uh, than they wanted to. You know, you look at total minutes tonight, Mm -hmm. Devin Booker played 38, Chris Paul played 34, Mikael Bridges 36, Jay Crowder 35. That's all in the first night of a back-to-back. Yeah, and then you look at DA, I mean, 24 minutes, which was nice because, you know, the the big task tomorrow is DA versus um Joel Embiid and I hate to talk about the game already but we'll, we'll save it for the end so no no we I, can talk I, about it throughout you know it's all yeah, part of the same I, conversation I wanted to focus a little bit on DeRozan too because DeRozan this is the first time I really I've seen him a few times this year but to see him out there leading this team uh even with a few more injuries where Lonzo Ball's not playing Caruso's out so those are two guys that are very very valuable to this team moving forward of course when they're not in the lineup 
it's going to be an easier task for the Suns. But DeRozan just looked like that guy. There's a reason he's a starter in the in the East coming up in the All-Star game because of the way he leads his team, the way he can just take over. I forget how long this dude is to where he can get a shot up basically over anybody. He there was no it seemed like no one was able to guard him, which is true. He's just that kind of guy now. Yep. And they were talking to on the broadcast um we said the broadcast or halftime when Tom Chambers might have been talking about the amount of three-point shots he attempts, which is only like two per game. Yeah. And, you know, Book shooting seven per game. But then Booker and Chris Paul are normally like the two-point guys. But DeRozan really is that. And it reminded well, me master. of this. He is. Yeah, yeah. And it reminded me of the Suns, just the way they were getting back into this game, take away what the bench did when they came back in. The runs they were going on, it was just like two points getting to the rim. Uh, drawing the fouls it looked a lot like what the suns kind of do when they try to get back into games they don't mm-hmm. just all try to force that at once try to hit every three they just you know they play their own game then what that game is basically is demar Derozan backing down he'll he'll be in the paint just like that clean look at the rim it's unstoppable so that was kind of cool to watch just because we don't really hate the bulls right and i've always been a big fan of Derozan and the signing going to mm-hmm. chicago so the way it's worked out for them it just shows like they do have a chance to go to the finals this year, as long as they're healthy, as long as they got everybody back. No, DeMar DeRozan, you're absolutely correct. You know, he's a mid-range assassin. He's very deliberate in the way that he plays basketball. That is to say, he's not a guy who's going to beat you with his first move. He lacks explosiveness, and he kind of moves in slow motion, yet somehow, yeah. some way, he's effective. And, you know, again, he was the catalyst in that fourth quarter uh, that brought them back in with that style of play. As you mentioned, you know, he wasn't chucking up a bunch of threes. He wasn't sitting there trying to, uh, you know, lead a charge by throwing up a bunch of random shitty shots. You know, he entered the fourth quarter with 23 total points, you know, and he ended the night with 38, you know, so that's what 15 points he had in the fourth quarter alone, mm-hmm. you know, 38 for DeRozan, you know, and, and this is a guy who against Philly last night, I want to say scored 40 or 41. 45. I mean, 45. I mean, 45. Yeah. DeMar DeRozan is a legit basketball player and we survived, you know, because of the depth of the Chicago bulls is so hurt right now between DeMar DeRozan and uh, Zach Levine of their 124, 70 of the points came from just those two players. You know, you put a more well-rounded lineup around this bulls, a healthy lineup, and you can see why they got out to such a hot start this season. Uh, you know, you talk about the 24 minutes for DeAndre Ayton. Watch. And truth be told, you know, the reason why DeAndre Ayton only had 24 minutes was foul trouble. He got a lot of ticky-tack fouls called on him tonight, man. Like, normally if mm-hmm. DA's in foul trouble, you kind of feel like he's earned it. You know, he, he's, he's, he's done a couple things aggressively that negated the opposition from scoring. But I mean, he was literally just like Vucevic would be back and down. He'd have his arms out just in front of him, not extending just out on him. And then Vucevic would back into him real quick and they call a foul on him. So, you know, I, it was really, you know, again, I, I don't want to, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of jamsters talking about it uh, in the chat tonight. You know, they're, they're saying uh, there, there was a lot of bad calls. And did you see that as well? Um, yeah, you know, I had to admit, I didn't even know that DA fouled out. Wow, and you're covering wow. the game, huh? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just looked at the six fouls. Okay. Um, I there probably shouldn't have said that, but uh I did notice the ticky tack fouls. I did. Um yeah. the the way like when Vucevic would be back now, like he said, it's kind of like a shack foul. And Shaq used to back down, somebody used to touch him. It's like, oh, foul. That's like what they were calling. And it was because DA at the beginning wasn't really aggressive offensively or defensively. He was giving up layups, all that. Then the moment he started to try, the foul started being called and basically it was against almost every player on the suns i mean derozan was drawing fouls left and right for ticky tack fouls so whatever da was trying to do defensively and that's what sucks is when you want to play aggressive when you have these refs that are now coming out because we started out these the season to where they were allowing these guys to play and now yeah. we're just seeing these games where they're starting the to turn fouls. it's like what are you like what are you supposed to do now and 
Um, and I, in my bad, I didn't know he fouled out. I was like, Oh, 23 minutes. He's not coming back in. That's good. Give him some rest. All right. We need him, we need him for no. tomorrow night and I'm well, watching the game, right? Well, covering well, the game, covering the game. Yeah. You didn't realize he found out. We'll go back and, uh, write that part in. No, it's, it's interesting. Cause it reminds me almost of like when major league baseball said that they were going to expand the strike zone. And for the first quarter of that season, whatever season it was all those years ago, anything that was at the chest to the knees was a strike. And you saw that throughout the entire season. And that gave kind of the advantage to the pitchers. But as the season went on, that strike zone kind of got really, it it became what it was before. And it was small. And you're seeing that kind of with the referee. And I, I agree with you over the past, I'd say about two weeks, I've really started to notice the physicality that was being permitted at the front end of this season, something that definitely benefits the Phoenix Suns due to the style of play they play on defense. Uh, it's it's not being called that way anymore. It's a lot more ticky-tack. So the Suns can't nearly be nearly as aggressive as they were. And, and again, there's a, a fine line between those two points, between what I would consider ticky-tack and, and, and a true foul. And somewhere in the middle is kind of where I like uh, the, the league to call it. And tonight, again, it was just unbelievably ticky tack. And, and then they were throwing the techs out, you know, double O McGee got a tech uh, after he clearly blocked Vucevic. And then, mm-hmm. you know, once they called it, he just, he just looked towards the bench and started doing, you know, the whirly twirly finger thing. And they're teed him up because it was almost like at that point in the game, it felt like the referees had an emotional, uh, uh, frustration with the Phoenix Suns. Mm -hmm. Devin Booker just got teed up. You know, they were chirping a little bit because the ticky-tack fouls were occurring. In fact, I wonder, you know, I'm going to pull up real quick the third quarter to see how many fouls, because it was the third quarter where it was really kind of going bullshit. So the Suns had seven personal fouls in the third to the Chicago Bulls one. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of it. And, and And I was thinking about it. You know, imagine you're that ref, right? You're the one who not only called the foul and then instantly called the T on JaVale McGee. And then you have to walk over to the replay center and watch your shitty call. Like it's, it's almost like you're a guy who is like, you're replying to an email, you're hitting reply all. And that email is going out to a hundred thousand people. And in your response, not only did you misspell your response, it was completely wrong. You know, because I mean, that's just it, that's what it must have felt like for that guy. It's like, man, I I completely fucked that call. It wasn't even close to a foul. And then I teed this guy up like yeah. I'm an asshole. Yeah, and it's also like when you when you come home or you've been home for a little bit, and there's an egg pan, and there's an egg pan that's not washed, and it's it's in the kitchen sink, and it ends up it was yours from the night before, and you're yelling at Ashley that it's it's her egg pan. Uh, those are those are troubles we had living together. But yeah, uh, yeah, and it's it was Shannon's egg pan. egg pan once once or twice. It was Shannon's egg pan. Um, but you know this this guy. I mean, these refs. There was one in particular who's like just remind me of a guy. You know, wakes up, combs his hair to the left, making sure everything's precise. Everything's precise. And I, you know, I just I want the attention today. I want something you know good to happen to me today. And he just wanted the camera on him in a way to where he he wanted these calls to go uh, the Chicago Bulls way. He didn't want the Suns to have any fun on defense. It actually be any kind of physical. So he wanted to make sure that he got exactly what he wanted that day, which is today against the Suns. And it just it doesn't make sense of where these refs come out here and they, they do this randomly and it's usually by quarter. I wanted to say it's they've been coming out game by game as the season's progressed to where they're calling more more fouls, but I feel like they do it by quarter. It's like what changes? What is what, are, what do they go in? Do they just adjustments for the rest? The jet the, the rest have their own adjustments at halftime? Is that what it is? No, I mean sometimes I honestly feel it's it's the emotion of the game. And when you have the Suns chirping at you because you're calling some bullshit fouls, you know, again, seven to one in that third quarter. By about foul four, the Suns started to chirp at him. Like, are you kidding me? Like we're our hands are up, they're running like there was a play where Zach Levine is going down the lane. DA's running next to him and he's three feet from him. And Zach Levine just runs into him, like puts his shoulder down and runs into mm-hmm. him. Like, you know, he's trying to knock him off his spot, screams, and then puts the ball in and it's a foul on DA. And after about the fourth time of that happened, the son's like, are you fucking kidding me? And when you got Chris Paul and Devin Booker, you know that they're chirping at the refs the entire time. So there's mm-hmm. becomes this almost this emotional backlash that the refs are trying to, you know, even though it's not a foul, like shame on you, sons, don't you yell at the refs. We are infallible. And then I feel like, 
in between the third and fourth quarter, the, the Bulls dancers come out there, shake their little booties, and all the the refs are <laughs> the refs are okay all again. You know, everything like their yeah. their serotonin drops or whatever. It just it was yeah. You know, again, a game we were up by twenty. It's I, I tweeted that and like it almost feels like somebody one of the referees has got the 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 line on this one. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and he definitely hit it. I mean, the Suns only won by three, so they were. It felt like they were doing everything they can to keep the Bulls in this game. And I know that we're talking way too long about the refereeing in a game. My in favorite which the thing Suns, to talk about, <laughs> in which the Suns won by the the largest three point victory in the history of the Phoenix Suns. But still, mm-hmm. you know, that's why DeAndre Ayton. And as you mentioned, it's okay that DeAndre Ayton fouled out because we need him tomorrow. He's going against the guy who's. Up for probably the MVP right now. He's the front. He's MVP front runner. Front runner. Um, did you, by the way, totally just side? Mm. You, no, you, listen, you listen to Ryan Rosillo, right? Yeah, yeah. Did, did you hear Austin Rivers on? Last, you know, I, I listened to Friday? maybe I listened to maybe ten minutes. And I turned it off. It was it, it was interesting because obviously Austin Rivers plays for the the Nuggets, and he was talking about how nobody can stop Jokic. He's like, there's only a couple guys in the league whose length you know, slows him down. He's like DeAndre Ayton and, and he couldn't name anybody else. I was just like, ah, it's nice. true. It right? is. It's the only guy when you watch, I was watching him yesterday too. Like dude, Jokic is just, he, him and Embiid are just comp- every play. It's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's just, it's nonstop for those dudes. But then when they play again, when he plays against Ayton, it's a different story. That just shows how valuable this dude is. Uh, Fabio says in the chat, former yeah. Suns legend Austin Rivers, half of the podcast, he's trying to explain why he's not an asshole and like while he, why his re- he doesn't understand why his reputation follows him where it is. Oh, really? I should have finished it. Oh, it's good. It's good because is you it? hear okay. the you hear the hypocrisy in what he's saying. And then he talks about like, you know, he doesn't even he barely even he doesn't even mention the Suns and how he totally was like, I'm not playing there. But he kind of talks about how OKC like he wasn't willing to play there. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. I only have played for playoff teams in my career. And it's like, yeah, because you've chosen not to help out those exactly. teams. Like Austin Rivers, no matter what you say, uh, you, I will always hold a special place in my heart. You know, you, no one's above the game. And mm-hmm. when you think you're above the game. He's uh, opposite a book. He's opposite a book. Opposite where a book. He doesn't put in the work. He just wants to be in a situation that already brings him a title chance. So I, lo- I love it. And that brings us to. Big Dick Booker. Big Dick Booker slanging it all over the court tonight. 23 total shot attempts, 38 points. One, he only had one shot attempt to put him over, you know, to hit the 40 burger. Didn't hit it. Oh, so pissed. Uh, started unbelievably, uh, unbelievably efficient in this game. Um, had a, a rough, you know, kind of third or just second half overall relative. You know, he only had 18 points or I'm sorry, 16 points in the second half. Uh, but he started the, in the first half. He was eight for 10. For 22 total points, he ends, uh, as I mentioned, 14 of 23, five for 10 from deep. And some of those threes looked oh so good, Matthew. They look really good. Um, They look just so efficient now. It's like it's super simple for him to get these things off. The only thing is that that one play in the corner that wasn't a three and his foot was on the line or right before the line. That was excusable because that was a great move. Yes. A great little fade away. It took some time. He was doing that a lot. He was really working on his moves. It looked like a lot of practice for him out there on the court where he was just going through the motions. Uh, It got to a point where uh, he had two threes in a row that he missed. I think it was in the third, and that was really where he kind of dropped off, and then yeah. he got to 38 points, and of course, getting that was right 40. after his technical, right after his technical, yeah, he, he it, went it over was. three. Yeah, when he ran down the court with the ball, should have been a delay of game. They point out, um, but yeah, yes. he even like muscling inside in the paint, he he uses the backboard so well. He he he's stronger than what he looks, right? He can he can find the mismatches, even if it's a guy with the same size. He can muscle himself down there to get a good look off the glass, and he did that tonight. And he also got hit in the big dick book. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was thinking about like the the person who whatever player it was that actually hit him there. Like, how do you think he feels after like just feeling that little muscle builder down there? Like, you know what I mean? It's like a little. He's it's just like, like tiny. It's like a tiny human down there. It's a muscle builder. It's just well, when he, he was standing. There, like, oh, like I didn't want to feel that. Damn it! That well, no, he's so depressed he, now. He, he was standing there boxing out, and when he put his arm back, he's like, "Why did he hit me with his arm?" Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, De- yeah. Devin Booker, you're right. I mean, his versatility once again shows tonight. And, and the great thing about tonight is, obviously, you watched the broadcast on Valley Sports Arizona, correct? I did. Yeah. So I watched it on NBA TV. 
And it, it was a great broadcast. You got Grant Hill, you got Dennis Scott. Uh, and you know that the East Coast is watching this game, right? And they're, the Chicago, which is what, the third biggest market in the NBA, is tuned into this game because this is a, this is a litmus test for them. Not only a litmus test for how they are as a team right now, even though they have injuries, but for how their stars match up with our stars. And it was a great broadcast because they were really breaking down what makes the Phoenix Suns effective. And they were talking about Devin Booker's versatility, how when Devin Booker, and he's on fire, and then all of a sudden he goes 0 for 3 after the tech, Chris Paul comes down and hits a midi. And they're like, you, you just can't stop this. You know, if yeah. it's not one guy, it's the next guy. And then the next thing, you know, they're doing a, a pick and roll with eight. And then here comes JaVale coming off the bench. And there's, I mean, a lot of high praise from Dennis Scott and from uh, – uh, Grant Hill, and I, I forget who the other person was on the uh, broadcast, but only two of them were NBA players. So, I mean, it was just mm-hmm. it was great for the East Coast to see how surgical Devin Booker can truly be. And, and once again, you know, he proved that he's an all-star for a reason. Uh, Sam Cooper of uh, the Timeline Podcast tweeted out something. He's like, how the heck are you supposed to defend a team with two terrific self-creating guards who can both masterfully execute skip passes to shooters? And it's like, I mean, that's the best way to describe exactly what the Phoenix Suns have. The strength of this team is their guard play. And then you have these amazing shooters and the Phoenix Suns, you know, guards can get them the ball at any time they want. Because Devin Booker, not only did he uh, rock 38 points, but he also had five assists and four rebounds. You know, so he's just he's doing it all over the court in so many different ways. And it's truly unstoppable. And I love it when we go on these East Coast swings because I feel like we always get the best version of Book when he's on the East Coast. Yeah, because he's hitting all the best spots out there, dude. A lot of the fan bases out there, especially with the Sixers tomorrow night, they're oh. he feeds off of that. Like a lot of these guys, like the John Moran and the Trey, the the Trey Youngs, not the Trey Youngs, the <laughs> Trey Youngs out there that feed off the crowd. That's Booker now, and he loves to keep the hand up, rolling down the oh, floor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, we were talking about the Ringer podcast, uh, the Ryan Russillo one, and I wanted yep. to bring up the Bill Simmons one where he talked about. I don't know if you heard him in KOC today when they were talking about. Um, did you listen to that one? Yeah, I listened on the, on the on the flight. Jackie into, McMullen was on there. Yeah, I, to the flight to Sacramento this morning. You'd have to refresh my memory because I'm. Oh, uh, they were asleep. just bringing up. They're basically just talking about stuff that we talk about, where the Suns will be. You know, they'll be down by like four points, maybe if that, and all of a sudden they're up by fourteen. Oh they're yeah, yeah, down run, ten, up know. ten, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're and then tonight, you know, they were even though the final score, I just want to whatever the bench did, whatever. Like they. The lead was down to like seven, but then all of a sudden it starts right back up to 14. You know, Jay Crowder hits a three, then DeAndre Aiden hits a little floater over the middle or the little hook shot. That's yep. what he does. And then both KOC and both and Bill Simmons, they're like, who's championship winner this year? They picked the Suns. I'm yeah, like, they, what? This I feels know, what? so weird. What plan are we on? It is so weird to hear that, especially when they just say a complete team. And for them to be broadcast on NBA TV like almost every week now, like they – everyone could see like what an actual team looks like, even without a few more pieces that we're missing. So it's crazy. It's crazy world right now, man. Well, and again, you know, if you, if you interact with anybody on Twitter uh, from opposing fan bases, and it's always fun to have a little banter back and forth where, you know, teams uh, opposing fans, if they're not blinded by their own fandom, if you, you know, Lakers fans like LeBron is God, you know, you, you run into much akin to, if, if you're on Suns Twitter, if you're, especially if you go to Suns Facebook, you'll run into those people who just like have no logic whatsoever when it comes to basketball. But then you have the ones who are realist, you know, and like if you talk like Sabrina Merchant, you know, who covers the, the Clippers, she's mm-hmm. a fantastic person to talk to about L.A. based sports because she's a realist. You know, she'll sit there and say, yeah, I'm going to root for my team, but I don't know if necessarily my team is better than your team because of X, Y, Z. And you can have a good basketball conversation with them. Anybody who you talk to, right now fears the Suns because if if they've watched them they know that this is a complete team that they can eviscerate you in so many different ways and they're good at defense you know not a lot of great you know the, the Bulls are a great team but they're not a great defensive team the Hawks the Hawks beat the Suns they're not a great defensive team I was checking mm-hmm. in the hotel tonight and I was talking uh you know small talk with the guy that who's checking me in and he's just like Yo, how's your day going? I'm like, hey, it's about to be great. You know, the Suns game's about to start. He's like, oh, man, yeah, they're good. They, We'll see if they can beat my Warriors. You know, I'm in Northern California. They're in their Kings or Warriors fans up here. I'm like, I don't know, man. We got a pretty deep team. He's like, yeah, man, you guys are insanely deep. 
You know, I'm like, hey, the fact that we're even having this conversation, my team was shitty three years ago. So this is awesome. And I'm going to enjoy every moment of this, man. Like, this is so much fun to have, the, you know, again, the end of the Bill Simmons podcast. And I don't remember what Jackie Jackie Max said. She I said I, the Bucks. And yeah, because fuck that her. Ending. That's yeah. why. You know, because <laughs> I know. Jackie I Max know. got some bad takes, man. She really does. She, um, she's gotten a little bit better. Like, I don't, but for overall, yeah, she's never as good as what KOC Yeah, well, the table. What what Jackie McMullen does is she does when she worked for ESPN as long as she did, you know, and obviously I I in in jest say fuck Jackie McMullen, you know, she's a legend in what she's done. But like she does stories on guys and then she falls in love with them as players. Like Jamal Murray is her guy through and through and through because she did a story on him in like his second year and she thinks he's the most amazing player ever, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like she just never's come and done anything for the Phoenix Suns and then you know, let her come interview booker and she'll she'll probably yeah. fall in love with his game too why does it always have to be michael wilbon that does I know. <laughs> those interviews always <laughs> there's supposed to be something that's released i guess um all-star weekend with Booker yes. and Chris paul so yes looking forward to that so uh, another guy i want to talk about tonight uh ended with a nice little stat line if you will uh, 18 minutes played had eight points four assists only one turnover four for six yeah. from the field that's alfred payton Alfred Payton looked locked in today, man. What did you see from Alfred? Well, he was awesome. Honestly, the stat line's funny because I thought it was a little bit more than that. That's um, how it always is with him. Like he throws one assist, you feel like it was four because you're just happy you got one. Yeah, it's just it's really crucial in this game. And I mentioned it before where you need to give Chris Paul minutes off, even though Chris Paul almost still hit 40 minutes. But in the second quarter, like he had it, he had that offensive running. Like Cameron Payne was out there, basically. It was fast break. He was hitting all the, the hard passes, the one fast break to Mikhail Bridges pass, where basically it looked like he was slowing down the offense. Mikhail sprints down there, then he hits him in between two defenders. Like Those are the things where it looked like he was taking his time, just really seeing the court really well. But the best thing about it is just keeping that second unit out there as long as possible and himself because of Chris Paul. So you want him to do that. And I was actually going to say before I just choke my spit that (laughs) before he came out, I wanted to see him kind of just play a little bit longer. I don't know. I know he, Chris Paul to come back. I'm sure maybe Peyton was tired because he hasn't really played too many minutes this year, but I just wanted to see maybe if he can take it to halftime because as soon as Chris Paul came in, it was kind of different. It wasn't like we gave it the lead, but everything changed and just the momentum kind of went away. So I thought it was just Peyton's turn to really have a great game and leave him in there as long as you could, because I, who do we talk about in the chat? Usually, as a guy that we would want to trade, it's always Shaman and usually Peyton. Mm-hmm. Now he's having a great night. He's feeling it. He came back into the third, had his shot blocked, and I know, right? Thing, yeah, the only thing is like when when Peyton shoots around the rim, it just reminds me of two K when he hit the shoot button for to lay it up, and it doesn't read. And two minutes later, you're laying it up and you're getting your shit blocked. That's the way <laughs> it looks like with Alfred Peyton because. It just he takes a little bit too much time, and he just as soon as he gets down there, he's like, "I'm gonna lay it up, no matter yep. what you guys want me to do." I'm One track mind. Up. Yeah, but tonight he did. He he found his teammates tonight, and I. It'd be nice to have more of these games, and that's why I wanted him just Agreed. to stay a little bit longer, dude. Agreed. And you know, right now, anything that Alfred could get a, give us is a huge plus because, you know, campaigns out, Landry Shamit's out, our guard depth is shot. And we're, mm-hmm. we're cruising towards the all-star break, hoping that that break will allow the Phoenix Suns some time to get those guys healthy. Because we know that Alfred Payton's not the answer, right? He's your backup to the backup point guard. And you look at his statistics entering this game since Land, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, since Cameron Payne went down. That's seven games, uh, not including tonight. He's been averaging 1.9 points on 25% shooting, <laughs> 16.7% from deep. 2.7 assists and 1.4 turnovers. So he nearly has, uh, he's just shy of a two to one turnover ratio, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's not the answer. And we know that, but if yeah. you start to string together, just a few of these little performances, as you mentioned, he was having a good night tonight. I wish as you did, it's funny. You said that. Cause I thought the same thing at the end of the first half, I'm like, Ride Alfred Payton as long as you can, man. Because if he can give you four extra minutes in the second, all of a sudden that that total uh, uh, minutes for Chris Paul goes from 34 to 30. And it looks a lot better. And it gives him the rest that we know he's going to need. And, and you can't keep Chris Paul off the court. I get that. 
But it's a lot easier to if you're like, dude, Chris, Elf's cooking tonight. Let him cook, man. Like, don't be a dick. And he'd be like, oh, okay. You know, like. <laughs> is that your Monty impression? Yeah. I was looking at Chris Paul. <laughs> yeah. I, Monty looks over to Chris Paul. He's like, hey, Bubs. Yeah, dick. Like, he's, he's cooking. Don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. Bubs. Hey, speaking, of, speaking of Bubs, Bubs, when he was talking about on what he was talking about on Old Man in the Three was, you know, he finishes the first a lot, a lot of times in, in his career, yep. going into the season, into last season. So he's not used to really coming out at six minutes mark, at the six minute mark. So I think it's the flow of the game. He wants to make sure that. He's in the flow of the game, so he has his times where he comes in, whether or not Payton's playing well, I guess, and whether or not he's playing crappy. He comes in when he comes in. I just think that's the way it is, and it kind of sucks because I wish they would just kind of go with the flow of the game the way it was going, but I think that's just Chris Paul being like, I got to come in, otherwise I'm not going to be able to get up enough shots. I'm not going to feel the game in the second half. It might throw me off. We might lose this game because of that. I think that's how he thinks, right? Yeah, and I think Maybe. that's well, and I think it's a little archaic, you know, because Chris Paul is so cerebral and understands the game and his body so well that I don't think that he needs that rhythm necessarily. I just think he's a sicko and he wants to play as much basketball mm-hmm. at all times, and that's why he does that, you know. So, uh, but again, I think that we need to seek these little opportunities, especially when you're up by 20, to let Alfred mm-hmm. Payton get a few more minutes. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. That's the bottom line because the Stone Cold said so. so. Um, Mikhail Bridges on Zach Levine was an ideal matchup, in my opinion, for Bridges. You know, you look at Zach Levine's final numbers on the night, ended with 32 points on 9 of 20 shooting, uh, 10 free throws made out of 10 attempts. That's where he made the majority of his uh, money tonight was at that free throw line. Had Mm 8 assists, had 6 rebounds, uh, an all-star for sure, definitely a premier talent in this league uh, doesn't play any defense. That's the, him, the difference between him and Booker. Uh, you, you heard it oh, here first yeah. folks, yeah. Uh, but I really think that Mikhail bridges in that matchup, you know, he's going against a guy who's very long, but not super explosive. Cause I feel like the guys and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the guys that Mikhail bridges has the hardest time with are the really, the guys who are explosive, you know, the, the fast little guards, if you will, like Dame Lillard, you know, when we see Dame Lillard and, and Mikhail Bridges, we get excited for it. And Dame typically has a good game because he's, he's just he's quicker than Mikhail. And Mikhail can still catch up some ground, but he doesn't always do it. But I feel like the majority of the time, the reason Zach Levine ended with the point total that he did is because the majority of the time after the first quarter, the Bulls realized we got to switch and get Mikhail off of Zach if we he wants to be successful. What did you see from Mikhail tonight defensively, and was there anything offensively that kind of you saw? Yeah, I mean, he was good. There's a few fouls he committed towards the end of the fourth quarter, and uh, that were just kind of dumb. You know, I think it was Kobe White. Kobe White, by the way, shout out to him. He looked great coming in off the bench. Like, very, yeah. very efficient guy. Wow. Um, even from, yeah, even from the free throw line. Um I think that uh, Mikhail had a few bad fouls tonight, but overall he seemed like he was caught in the middle of like, you know, the, the Mikhail scoring 20 plus points and then kind of just the same old Mikhail where he was standing in the corner, but he kept the dribble alive offensively a lot in the paint. When he would go down there, usually like he'll, he'll start from one side, go to the, from right to left. Then he might just like stop the dribble when he gets to the paint and then try to find someone to pass it off to a few times. He would go down there, keep the dribble alive and then maybe pass out. You know, I'm not saying that's anything big, but it's just like, you know, if you do that, it gives you an option maybe to even take the guy even deeper down to the basket, have the mismatch and his turnaround that he had tonight. You saw from like the, the angle above the basket. And I, it makes more sense to look at it that way. If you're looking at it the way we always watch games, yeah. I feel like it's such a weird shot from yeah, him because but- he's all gangly all over the place. But above it, it looks so crisp and nice, right? It's yeah. just it's super efficient that way. Um, but yeah, defensively, he was fine. But I liked uh, – what else did I like from him? He uh, kept the dribble alive. I already said that. Turn around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was about it. <laughs> there you go. And again, his defense, I thought, on Zach Levine was good. And I'd be interested to see what those you know numbers are. Uh, when he played Zach versus when Zach got switched off of him real quick mm-hmm. on the turnaround shot, you know, DeMar DeRozan's turnaround. Do you notice how whenever DeMar DeRozan did a turnaround to the left on the baseline, he'd fall out of bounds and try to get a foul. It's like his natural mm-hmm. shooting motion was taking him out of bounds. He'd shoot it. He'd scream on the way down. They called it the first mm-hmm. time. And then two other times he fell and he looked at the ref like that was a foul. It's like nobody touched you, bro. Yeah. Um, I'll, another take on that, that you brought that up. You think it's easier on these guys to fall down like that? It's easier on their bodies and to land on their knees or on their feet and hurt their yeah, knees? Well, I, I no. think, yeah, I think anxious? that. I don't, I don't know. I'm just like, because they do, these guys will do that. To draw the foul. Like you saw Cam Johnson do it a lot. He does that a lot now. 
because of Jay Crowder probably taught him how to do that. So these guys do that all the time. I feel like maybe the cushion on their butt helps out a lot. I think that as fast and explosive as these players are to get to those spots, the best way to finish that motion naturally is to fall. So if you're standing facing the basket, okay, and then you spin, mm-hmm. you do you do a 180 to shoot, you're going with so much torque to shoot to get to your spot. When you shoot it, you're just going to keep going and you're going to fall down. In the process of that, if they're calling a foul, then, you know, good on you. But DeMar did it like three times, and I was just like, okay, this is just getting uh, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So um, good, Crazy Luigi in the chat says, Booker said he didn't see Benny the Bull bring out the inflatable T-Rex, but wish he had. Uh, said the Suns have a couple of assholes on this team that love to respond to people chirping in that kind of environment on the road. Chris Paul was engaged with some people on the sideline. And, you know, again, on the old man of the three, he said yeah. that he's like, listen, like I, I tell people we're not in the zoo. We talk back, yeah. you know, so exactly, you know, it, it's going to see that uh, as always from uh, Chris Paul. I mean, he's just, yeah. he's just, that's he's not so a bad old. thing. I, no. I love it when they, they always say that. It's like, that's the way it should be. It Honestly, should be. I, hell yeah. It, it depends what they say. If they say something that really crosses the line, I think they should call a timeout. Let the guy or woman on the court come out to the court and then just have a little duel or something. <laughs> a, three something. Point, a three point <laughs> shooting contest. Really. No, just like a fight or something. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to give this guy a drop real quick because, you know what? Quite frankly, here it is tonight. Double O McGee. 23 minutes, 16 points on seven of nine shooting for JaVale McGee, including a three-pointer. He gets the drop tonight because he hit a wide-open three. Matthew, should we consider JaVale McGee for the three-point contest at the All-Star game? I think we should. I was listening to Wouldn't no that Dunks. be hysterical? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be funny. No Dunks was actually saying they should put Embiid in it, but Embiid has a really nice step-back three. It'd he be does. nice to have some big guys in there because it'd be fun to watch. You never Porzingis. know. Yeah, all of these guys like to shoot it, and a lot of them can make it in practice, right? I feel like they practice it all the time. But uh, McGee tonight, he, the amazingness continues. When DA's back on the court, he can just do all these random awesome stuff. He can like beat nice, him, yeah. Yeah, nice passes. He can get away with a lot. Like, I think he shot the three because they were up by 23 or 22 at the time. So yeah, go ahead like, and jack it. it up there. It doesn't matter. Um, but he, he gets away with a lot when the Suns are winning. And a lot of it turns into really awesome plays that just turn out to be, you know, highlights. Uh, at the at end of every game where DA's playing and McGee comes off the bench, I feel like there's always two or three highlights that McGee throws out there for us. It's either a crazy rebound, a dunk, an alley-oop. He always has like three or four alley-oops, it seems like. Um, it's just, it's nonstop. And he's back. He's back to the way he was when he started the season. Yeah, and again, that's what happens when DA's in the starting lineup. Uh, and JaVale McGee can truly embrace his role. Again, 16 minutes he had to play tonight because of the foul trouble, but he gave us mm-hmm. a lot of productive McGee. And I kind of feel like that's what was missing at the back end of this game. Uh, they put Bismack Biombo in. I think the Suns are now 13-0 and when he plays any minutes with the Suns. <laughs> yeah. you know, our one loss against the Hawks, Bismack didn't play. So is that crazy? It's nuts, man. It's just one of those kind of weird stats that everybody, you know, the wrong person gets a hold of that information. And it can be dangerous. So, Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters. It's that time of the podcast where we ask you to let us know in the chat who your Jam star of the game is. And if you are listening to the podcast, go ahead, subscribe, rate, review. And if you're watching, hit a thumbs up while you're here. Uh, Matthew, I'm wearing the legendary t-shirt for Devin yeah. Booker tonight. Uh, it's... It's Devin Booker. Big Dick Book gets the jam star for me. I think it's pretty easy. But maybe you have a different point of view. Break it down. I kind of do because it might be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for this guy, Alfred Payton, to really step up and win this award tonight. I think, no, I'm, I, Booker, yeah, seriously, solid night, really great night. But Alfred really carried the team in the second quarter to where they just took off. I think he did a really great job out there. He, he had the one block against him that was really nasty. I'm like, oh, here we go, Alfred Payton's second half. He's going to fall apart, but he's held his own. I thought he held his own tonight. Of course, I'm not too serious about it. Of course, I would give it to Book, but I think this is the only opportunity Alfred Payton has to win it, so I'm going to give it to him tonight. Well, you're right. I mean, he helped extend the lead while the starters were not in, so yeah, he's clearly a uh, a jam star. You know, I mean, he he earned it, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably the only time he'll get it all season, but I think we all know it's it's Big Dick Book. Uh, thank you to Matthew Brentano in the chat. Give us $5 in the super chat. Says, love hanging out with you guys after games. Go Suns. Thank you, 
for donating. Thank you for being a loyal jamster and jam star and, and jam tastic. Uh, books right wrist that gets that gets uh books a little jam uh, muscle man <laughs> uh coming up next for the phoenix suns obviously a game that i know we're both excited about suns at 76ers this one is this one on tnt matthew yes it is yeah oh man that's gonna be it's so gonna be crazy good. i'm kind of oh never mind no no um is this TN, no tnt is a thursday night game i guess so yes espn mm, no it should be if it's on tv it should be tnt but i didn't check so well the jamsters will let us know what yeah just let us know jams yeah let us know where can we watch this game because it's gotta be nationally televised mm-hmm. the philadelphia 76ers enter the game 32 and 21 they're f- currently fifth in the eastern mm-hmm. conference but that being said mm-hmm. they've lost only four games since december 26 one of the hottest teams in the nba uh you look at what joel Embiid is doing and it's just bonkers 29.3 points per game 10.9 rebounds per game he's averaging a steal a block and a half 4.4 assists he's shooting uh 52 from two he and he's shooting uh where's his threes 36.4 from three <laughs> i mean joel Embiid is absolutely fucking crazy this year man he is it's almost every play like i was watching so i was watching the sixers game on the tv and then i had the nuggets game on my laptop and it was seriously just like back and forth it was just like Jokic and b these are the two guys of course towards the end of the year john moran's my mvp candidate i had early in the season but to be real if mb continues this he will be mvp just because of the storyline how he hasn't had anyone like ben simmons on this team and they're talking about Ben Simmons maybe being the actual trade target for the Nets and sending Harden over there, which would be really yeah. fun to watch. It would be a perfect trade. Yeah. Um, I think that um, what Embiid does to carry that team as a center, he's the same size as Boban. Like he, everyone talks about how big Boban is, but when they stand next to each other, he's the same size, dude. Jeez. And he moves like a point guard. So um, I don't know. I mean, good luck, Aiden. Every time I was every every minute of that game I was watching, I'm like, poor Aiden has to put up with this dude. So good luck to him tomorrow <laughs> night. Um, well, when you look at Aiden versus Joel Embiid in their career and kind of how it's turned out, you know, uh, it's two and two, you know. Aiton's won two games, Embiid's won two games. But the difference is, if you look at their averages, DeAndre Ayton in those games goes for 14 points and 7.8 rebounds, right? Nice. How many points do you think Joel Embiid averages in games which he plays against DeAndre Ayton? 39.5. 37. 37? He averages 37 and 15. I mean, it's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous <laughs> yeah. what he what he's what he does. The the last time uh, they played against each other, April twenty first, two thousand twenty one, uh, the Suns won that game by three points. Uh, that was a really good game. I remember that one. Uh, Joel Embiid went thirty eight, went for thirty eight and seventeen. Ayton went for ten and five. You know, this is going to be that game where yeah. DeAndre Ayton is going to play his role, and this is what's exciting. Is it's not going to be he's going to go out for twenty and fifteen like. Would that be great? Absolutely. That means that Joel Embiid is going to get tired out playing defense. But DA is going to be like our Mikael Bridges this game, where he's going to have to focus all of his energy on trying to stop an MVP candidate, and it might be sacrificed by his production on the offensive end. So what? no matter what happens on Tuesday night, tomorrow, just remember that if DA doesn't walk out of there with a, a huge stat line, but the Suns walk out there with a win, that's what matters. Yeah, it'll all be defense for DA. That's what you have to focus on, which is basically what you just said. And it's going to be fun it is to watch. What I that. just said it, it is exactly what you just said. And that's the fun part of watching DA is how he's going to do defensively against Embiid. I just, I can't wait for this matchup, dude. I don't care what he does offensively. I really don't. Yeah. Because, I mean, we can beat them all over the place outside of uh, Aiden versus Embiid. I mean, Embiid's basically carrying that team on his back right now. So he really is. Can, I mean, yeah, they're number two best them. players, Seth Curry. You know, they got Tobias yeah. Harris, they got Danny Green, but it's no, Seth Curry who's those. who's his number two guy. I mean, who would have thought that? But again, yeah, like yeah. DA, good luck because he's given up 38 and 17 to him the last time. So it's like you weren't you didn't do that great of a job. Now I do remember that game. There was a lot of switching, and I remember that uh uh MB took advantage of Jay Crowder a lot in that game, if I remember correctly. I don't remember. Embiid uh Jewel Ottinger just said this in the chat. Embiid, don't compare Aiton to me either. I play defense. His infamous 
uh, tweet from 2018. Yeah. I, I guarantee you he thinks a little bit differently about that, considering uh, the defense that DeAndre Ayton has played since then has kind of become, you know, his his go to the fact that he mm-hmm. is a defensive player. Thoughts. Um, brains. All right. Our thoughts. It's that time when we talk about things going on around the NBA that either don't affect the Suns at all or maybe affect them a little bit. And obviously this is the big week. This is the fun one. I mean, what a week we have of basketball, right? We kick the shit out of the wizards. We kick the shit out of the bulls by three points. We got, (laughs) (laughs) we we got the Sixers tomorrow, two days off. And then we got the bucks on Thursday, which is also the NBA trade deadline. So I know, I know. Yes. Like what I, this is why I love basketball so much, man. Oh, I love, I love this week. I love this week. So, Obviously, the trade deadline is is big. It's looming large. It's the topic of all conversations on every Phoenix Suns podcast you go, all these different trade scenarios. Uh, I was listening to the He's on Fire podcast last night, and they were talking about they were just kind of going through different candidates. Uh, I saw that you were actually there in the chat. You brought up Josh Hart because I told you to, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did want to talk about a couple trades that all, have already happened in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start with the one that happened three days ago, and this was a big one, and uh, and. I want to get your take on this one. So the Portland Trailblazers received from the Clippers, Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a 2025 second round pick. In return, the Clippers got Norman Powell and Robert Covington. What are your thoughts on that trade? Man, <laughs> man the one team, if they were healthy, right? The Clippers, uh, even if they have Paul George with those two, it's going to be very, very difficult to to stop. They got rid of a guy that was really in Eric Bledsoe. I mean, we could joke around all, all we want about him, but he seriously is some guy that's a liability for them in the playoffs. And it shows every year with every team he's on. So they got rid of him. That's a plus. And the other, the other two dudes, it doesn't even matter. Norman Powell and Covington, like they were playing last night. There was a stretch where they were just like jacking up threes. The Clippers look so good. They didn't, of course, they didn't have Paul George, so they didn't win the game. Or Kawhi. Or, yeah, obviously Kawhi, whenever the hell he comes back. But that team is just, they're really set up for the future now. And it's like, hopefully that team doesn't get too healthy by the time the playoffs start because yes. they're going to be very difficult to beat. And th- those, I think they're going to be spending, they spend quite a bit of money on these two guys coming in. They're going to be over the tax. And I don't think that matters. But this, this that was a good trade for the Clippers. Clippers killed they that trade. They fleeced them, man. Like, yeah. Portland was just like, fuck it. I, Eric Bledsoe, sure. Like, Here's Rocco. <laughs> here's Norman Powell. Like here's these great uh, defenders and three point shooters. You know your typical three and D guys, the perfect guys to put around Kawhi and Paul George. You know when when healthy, right? So yeah. this trade it does two things for me. One, it pisses me off as a Suns fan because if the Clippers can somehow get that eight seed, they if they hit the play in tournament, they get that eight seed. And the Suns, their reward for being the best team in the NBA is to play the fucking Clippers and you get Paul George and Kawhi back. Now, granted, I don't think Kawhi's coming back, but still, Paul George with these two guys, all of a sudden, they become a very long team on the wings that can, that can create trouble for Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They can take away our most effective offensive players uh, with, their, with their length on defense. You know, and two, it shortens that window for Phoenix. Because like you said, if this team's held, like, the Clippers have to be, if they keep this roster together, if they have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Norman Powell, and Robert Covington going into next season, they have to be the yeah. favorites right off the bat, man. That, that's a stacked roster that makes sense. It's not a stacked roster from talent standpoint relative to big three potential. You know, It's not your Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, or your Russell Westbrook, AD, LeBron James. It's two really good players, two superstars with two really good complimentary players. Now, granted, I was listening to the solar panel and Zona Sports brought up the fact is like, I feel like Robert Covington's kind of been the the throw in on a lot of trades, uh, but he never really has kind of lived up to that. But still like, yeah, as as the boogie trends kind of just going down, he's like, and they have surge and they have Reggie Jackson. You know, it's just like it. That's a deep team that scares the shit out of me, man. It's like, why did Portland do this? Damn you, Portland. Damn you. Yeah, and Boogie Trent, Kawhi and PG not coming back, though, and that's for sure. I think it's just a thought of having these guys and helping them kind of cement um, having uh, Kawhi and PG come back next year because you have these guys now to help had the death like you were talking about. Um, I don't know. It, it's difficult to even think of, like, Covington and how he would even 
not he how would he not be a good guy to get because the way he played in Houston like even when he was Russell small Westbrook ball five was there, right he was yeah but I just I love the way he how versatile he is he's a tweener in between the tweeners you know what I mean I feel yeah. like he can just do so much but isn't so, Norman Powell kind of the same thing too it's like you get two of those guys they're just so versatile dude and it was crazy when I saw that anytime Eric Blutz was in a trade I'm like oh well why didn't it work in Portland Maybe it's because Dame's as injured as he is, but like, because you look, I mean, the Port- Portland Trailblazers, it's what they've done over the past two years to do everything they can to keep Dame there. So mm-hmm. you got you got CJ McCollum, who I bet will be traded. I mean, they're blowing that shit up in Portland right now. And you had these two guys and you had Nurkic, right? Like, yeah. why did that just never work for them? Um, It would have to do with just injuries because every time it would seem like it would go in the right direction, Nurkic would get hurt. They rely so much on that guy. But I, I just think it gets to a certain point where you have these two guys together and it's not working out to where it gets to a point where you just can't go any further with them. You have to separate them. And that's what we keep talking about. I think this is actually the first year where I think CJ McCollum actually might get traded. It's not just one of those yeah. things that everyone throws out every year, but it might be one of those things where he does. Cause I mean, Lillard said he's not going to come back this year because they're, they're so sucky right now. He's not going to play on a team. That's going to be losing. Yeah. Games. Why would he, why would he? So, and, and, yeah, and he's that's injured mentioned over and over and again, he's even said it himself. So I don't know. It's gotten kind of toxic over there from the outside looking in, right? It just seems like a, a team that's going to rebuild and you just got to give away pieces like this where they get they get shipped away and you're like, oh, how come this team wasn't doing good? Just like you asked. It's like, why weren't they winning with these guys? And then I just they'll fit with they'll fit they with PG and Kawhi so well. They didn't get anything back though. Like Eric Bledsoe is there should be another trade he, though, right? He, he, he's gonna be gone. Yeah, and, and I'll get to that in just a second with the, the Blazers and your thoughts on that. But like Eric Bledsoe, like he he'll play right now and for the rest of the season because Dame Lillard's probably gonna be out the rest of the season. Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and like a 2025 second round pick that comes via Detroit. Like, no one gives a shit about that. Uh, but that being said, no. CJ's obviously on the block. Where do you think CJ McCollum ends up? Any guesses? <laughs> Is there anything that like you can say this and then I can snip this when it happens and just run it, you know, on the yeah. when it happens and everyone thinks it's like Matthew Lissia, <laughs> Lissia Dom. Like, uh, my my John Morant prediction. Um yeah. I can see him and I don't even know the numbers or anything. I could just see him. I don't know if anybody's really said this. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, so maybe it just bled into my ears while I'm working and I'm just listening to shit. I'm like, oh, what did they say? I don't remember. <laughs> CJ, he just looks like he would be a sixer, right? He looks like he would be in a sixer uniform. I could see him being there because I think Embiid, of course, would play well beside him. But then you also have to think about the James Harden thing where he might come there. But I can just see CJ McCollum being a sixer. And I'm not saying it would be Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum. I think it would be. Yeah, something I was about like, to say, I'm like. It would be something that was just like a bunch of at- Tobias Harris or something traded over. Who knows? There you Someone go. like that, that might work. So that's what I think right away when you ask that question. That's interesting because I could see Tobias Harris being in a deal that would bring him over because that would – I wonder what the, how, how close the contracts are on that. C.J. McCollum currently is making uh, – he's on – Jesus, he makes a lot of money. <laughs> Fuck, I'm in the wrong industry. I wish I was good at basketball. He, he, he just signed a three-year, $100 million contract. So it, And it, it, it excels every year. So he's making thirty point eight million this year, thirty three point three million the ne- next year, oh, yeah. and then the following year it's thirty five point eight. So I mean, he is getting paid. Uh, Tobias Harris, conversely, and obviously Tobias, that, he's like twenty, I think. Right? Yeah, I know he's. Yeah, you know he's right. Whew, Jesus, thirty five point six this year, thirty seven next year, fucking forty million in three years. Oh, <laughs> Jeez, Tobias no Harris, please the them, dude. Off, dude. A five-year, $180 million contract is what he... Damn. So you <clears> could <throat> make that one happen. I kind of feel like CJ is going to be like... and He's going to end up in OKC or something. They're going to package okay. like th- three guys together and a shit ton of picks because that's what ultimately Portland is doing. So Portland's like, listen, we'll get rid of these guys. We'll bring... We'll give away CJ because... They've got the, the Oklahoma City has so many assets, they got to do something with it, you know. And I feel like SGA plus CG, C, uh, CJ McCollum is the start of something that could be good. So, God, Tobias Harris, Jesus. All right, the other mm-hmm. trade I wanted, I wanted to talk about real quick. It's, these are the only two main trades that have happened, but of course, I, I like talking trades. Uh, the Cavs acquired Karis Levert from the Pacers, the Cavs got Karis Levert and a 2022 second round pick. The Pacers got a 2022 first round pick and two second round picks plus Papa Ricky Rubio. Poor Papa Ricky. The guy comes to Phoenix, helps resurrect the franchise, gets traded to OKC, gets traded to 
the Cleveland Cavaliers, helps resurrect the Cleveland Cavaliers, blows his knee out, and now he's on his way to shitty Indiana. And then the Cavs, <laughs> they get better, man. Karis LeVert, that's a great deal for them. Yeah, LeVert, so it's weird because I always thought he was like a good asset to have. And I was listening to KOC today. He's like, oh, well, he's not even really a good shot creator. What, like really negative about the guy. So maybe it's just the situation he was in because I think that the way Karis LeVert played in the bubble, like remember, of course, he missed the shot that would have sent the Suns. Oh, yeah, would have sent the Suns to playoffs. Yep. Yeah. Um, the way he played there, but even before that, he seemed like a guy that was on the up and up, and all of a sudden he just kind of fell apart. I mean, he had the part, I think it was his heart, right? An issue with his heart. Ever yeah. since then, it doesn't seem like the same kind of player, but I'm trying to see. Uh, Ricky, I think Ricky can go back to the Cavs. That's what I heard. Like he might go back to the Cavs next If he gets year. bought out, if he gets bought if out. Gets, and that's what yeah. Felix says in the chat. Okay. If Ricky gets bought out, we sign him. No, he's out for the year. Why would you he's sign out, a guy who's. But I would just yeah. put him on the sideline, dude. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, just to have him out there. Just be like, come on, guys. Yeah. Let's go, fans, fans. <laughs> so um, definitely more to talk about next uh, on the next edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. We'll see if any trades go on tomorrow. Uh, we'll cover that in our postgame pod after the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, but we appreciate you guys stopping by, hanging out with me and my num-num juice from uh, Fall River Was it Brewing. Num-num? It tastes pretty Was good, it actually. Was it's it? pretty good. It's one of those citrus IPAs. It's just tropical IPA. So it's got a little the 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 f- fruitiness kind of takes off the rough edges if you will from the ipa so it's not as tart mm. it's not like sucking a pine cone um <laughs> okay. but we'll be we'll, we'll be live again tomorrow you can follow me at darth void on twitter you can follow matthew on twitter uh, matthew let's see and you can follow the show at sun's jam uh looking forward to seeing you folks tomorrow night uh, until then take care Go do your wordles okay wordle Piez profunda e higiene? Confía en HS para un pelo 100% libre de caspa. Clínicamente probado. HS, champú número uno en España.